chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. Beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are in earth. And in him we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So powerful statements written here about what God has done. That God has chosen us before the foundation of the world, before the world was made. He chose his elect. that we should be blessed with every spiritual blessing, that we should be without blame before Him in love, and that we should be adopted as the children of God by the Father, Father God in heaven. I remember from the time I was a kid hearing people say, especially during the hippie generation, songs were made saying, we're all God's children. It's not true. It says that Whosoever receives Him, to them does He give the power to become the children of God. You must become the children of God. You must be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And become the children of God. We are not naturally the children of God. We read earlier in the communion meditation, we're the children of wrath. Children of God's judgment because of sin. But God forgives us and adopts us through, the, through faith in the blood of Jesus. He adopts us as His children. Now somebody say, well, I'm not so sure about that. Well, that's up to you. That's the truth. What you do with it is between you and God. 
That's your decision. That's for each of us to wrestle with. We have redemption that says through His blood, accepted in the Beloved, accepted by God through the blood of Jesus, through redemption in His blood. And He made known to us this mystery of His will. That He is going to gather together in His time everything that is in Christ. Now in this passage we just read, we read the words in Christ twice. But the words in Christ are found many times in the New Testament. It is a place. It is a condition. Either we're in Christ or we're not in Christ. And are we in Christ? So how do we come into Christ? Through what we're reading here. Through faith in Christ. To be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. We are transferred into Christ. It says, we read at the end of verse 3, that He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. The spiritual blessings come to people who are in Christ. Not to those who reject Christ. Spiritual blessings don't come to those who are not in Christ. It's those who are in Christ. In Corinthians it says, the promises of God are yes in Christ. In Christ it opens the door to connection with God and all the spiritual blessings, all the help that we need, everything that, everything that is available and that the children of God inherit is in Christ. And so it says here in verse 11, in Him also we have obtained an inheritance. Well, sure. Children receive the inheritance of their father. Right? It's the way of, it's the, way of the world, even. That when, when children pass away, when, when people pass away, most of it goes to their children. Most of the time. The inheritance. So when you become the children of God, we receive the will, the testament, the inheritance of God through Christ. We are not any longer without inheritance, without hope, without a place in the kingdom of God. We were once strangers, but now in Christ, we have an inheritance. We are no longer strangers, but citizens with the saints in the kingdom of God. We read later in chapter 2. In verse 13, as we continue on, it says, In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is conversion. This is the transferring and coming into Christ, receiving, you know, 
forgiveness of sins, acceptance with God, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is conversion. And, and it says, after we believe it, after we trusted the word of truth, having believed, we received the Holy Spirit. But what about after that? What happens after that? We live the Christian life. In verse 15, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He's praying for the Ephesian church. He's heard of their conversion. He's heard of their all the good that they're doing and everything. Their faith in, their, in Jesus and the love for all the saints. People who are saved. So what is he praying for for these people? What is he praying for for the church in Ephesus? Verse 17. This is Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus. That God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. And after that, he mentions three things that he's praying for them. But he says for the Christians of the Ephesus, as well as Christians all over, that we may receive wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. What does the word revelation mean? We know it's the last book of the Bible, but what does the word revelation mean? The word revelation has the word reveal in it. The, ver the word reveal means that we have things shown to us. That God shows us things about Him. Wisdom and revelation. God reveals, gives us wisdom and reveals things to us about Him. Through knowing Him. The work of the Holy Spirit is not some secret um, thing that is not told to us. This is the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us. That God would open up our understanding. Open up our understanding to, what, to, to the wisdom and reveal God to us in a growing way. Maturing in our understanding of Him. Maturing in our wisdom of, of who God is and what He's about. May God open our eyes to Him. May God give us this, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, reveal yourself, to, reveal yourself to us in a deeper way. Is this fanaticism? Well, Paul's writing. He's writing it to apostles, writing it to the church. This is not... He says something like this, similar to this, in the Colossian church. This is not just something for the Ephesus church. Jesus, in the book of Revelation, sends seven letters out to seven churches. 
And at the end of each one of them, he says this. Let him who, who hears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And that's the question for today. Do we have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart that's tender towards what God is saying? Not what I'm saying. I'm just reading what's here. I'm just talking about it. But does, do we have ears to hear? Are we embracing with our heart the things that God is speaking to us? Not me, but God. The Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Do we have ears to hear it? May God give us the ears to hear and the eyes to see and the heart that understands. Well, that gives us a really quick testimony. I think it's very pertinent. Sure. Um, so, the importance of having this personal relationship with, with God that we're not just reading words from books, right? We're coming to know a person. It's so important that we don't we don't think that we're we're just coming to the Bible just to learn stuff. We're growing in intimacy with God. God wants us to have confidence with Him. Um, and so at the seminary, um, I recently started having discussions with this one woman, um, very wounded soul, um, very special woman, but has been through a lot. And she had some really great revelations about the love of the Father. And sadly, she was teaching she was talking to some teachers at the seminary that contradicted what she what she came to understand about the love of the Father. And she fell apart. She fell apart because somebody started teaching, a learned person started uh, uh, contradicting what she had been, what had been revealed to her about God. And that just proves the importance of us being able to know Him personally and not depending upon anybody else. Right? So, so yes, teachers are important. The Bible talks about teachers. But we must be so assured of, of our relationship with God that no matter what anybody says, no matter what experiences in our life may contradict those things, we know Him. He, he's a person, right? Uh, he's not just ideas. He's not just, mm -hmm. you know... So, yeah. It reminded me of the... The message you sent out this week was something written from Andrew Murray, the preacher, about about that. And it's very, very important. When it talks about a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him, now that's that's a personal experience. That God is revealing something to us on a personal level. That God gives to us, meaning each of us, a spirit of wisdom. And revealing things to us on a personal level, in the knowledge of Him. So let's continue on, because now Paul is going to mention three three separate things that God would open our eyes to. That this wisdom and revelation would open the eyes, verse eighteen, the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. That's number one. That we might know the hope of the calling of God. That we are, through the blood of Christ, we are saved through faith. Not of works, lest anyone should boast against God. That God gives us His Spirit 
as an inheritance, part of the, the beginning of the inheritance. That we may know what is the hope of His calling. That we are the children of God. It's an identity. We are no longer the children of wrath in Christ. We are the children of God. Not because we earned it. Not because we're these great people. Not because we smell better than other people. Because we believe the message of the cross. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who believe, it is the power of God. The hope of our calling is in the power of God to save through the blood of Jesus. The second one in verse 18 is, What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? We're rich people. Well, we're not, most of us aren't rich in stuff and don't have a big bank account, if any of us. Because we have all come to the point of understanding that a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. But we are rich. Mentioned earlier in spiritual blessings. But also the inheritance waiting for us when we leave this earth. We have something to look forward to. The people who are not in Christ fear death. They're afraid to meet God. Or they're afraid that there's nothing after this. Or like in some people's minds that we just float around. We're just these wandering spirits that wander around cemeteries. Ridiculous. It is not the Word of God. The Word of God says, we have an inheritance waiting for us. And as soon as we pass from this earth, it says, we leave the body. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. An out-of-body experience to those who pass away. Until the day of resurrection, when the last trump, the trumpet of God sounds, and those who are the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we, we who are alive and remain in Christ will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The body shall ready be raised, or the dead shall be raised to meet with the spirits of them in heaven, that were in heaven, before the, the coming of Christ. And those who are alive at the coming of Christ will be changed in a twinkling of an eye, and all from there on always to be with the Lord. The great inheritance. But the inheritance doesn't start there. And that's what I'm afraid for many in Christendom, that they don't see that. They need we there's times that I haven't seen it. And I need to have my eyes opened up and reopened up sometimes to the facts of the truth of these spiritual these spiritual truths. That we have an inheritance now of spiritual blessings and promises from God. Promises 
for help in this life. The Bible says there's promises for this life and the life to come. It's not all when we get over there. I mean, that's what we're all looking forward to. Crossing over the Jordan and to, and to be with the Lord, sure. That's the ultimate end of our inheritance. I want to pass through some Red Seas right now. I want to slay a few giants right now. Amen. We want to take down a few Jerichos right now. Not physical, but you know what I mean. There's giants in the land. There's, there's giant despair facing us and confronting us day after day, week after week, hour by hour. Stop trusting God, trying to beat us down, to be to depart with it. The Bible calls a heart of unbelief and turning away from the living God. Wants us to stop trusting Him. This evil heart of unbelief comes from the enemy, the influence of the enemy, the prince of darkness. We wrestle against and all of his minions. We have an inheritance whereby not only are we forgiven of our sins, and he gives us the Holy Spirit, the Holy we inherit the Holy Spirit. It's one of the first things we inherit. After we come to faith in Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, a power of love, a power of Self-control. <laughs> the spirit of, not of fear, but of power. And of love and of self-control. We inherit that in Christ. But, our inheritance will do us not much good if we don't cash in on it. If we don't embrace it. We don't take what's given to us. If we have a gift given to us, a nice package with a bow, and we never open up, what's it going to do us? You know? We have a nice pair of shoes sitting in there, and we're walking around with a pair of shoes with holes in them, and saying, boy, I wish God would give me a pair of shoes. I wish somebody would give me a pair of shoes. We're walking around in the snow and the rain and everything with a pair of shoes with holes in them. And there it is, sitting right there. You've already got it. It's, all, you've already, it's already been given to you. Why aren't you opening that box and taking it? Why aren't you embracing what God's given you? And that's what he's talking about. Embracing what God has given to us. It's real. God, may God open our eyes to all we inherit now in this life. There are promises for us to be victorious as Christians in this life right here, right now. So why are we walking around with our knuckles dragging on the floor? And hanging over with the weight of the world barreling our shoulders down to the ground and crushing us. Why? Because our eyes aren't open to it. May God give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the, in the knowledge of Him. The great inheritance, the hope of our calling in Christ. This is a powerful thing. We are not children of wrath anymore. We're the children of God and we should, we should be rejoicing and be he, we should be glorying in Christ and everything He's done for us. And the, and, the, and the gate that He swung wide open for us. That's where we should be. But are we there today? Have we been there this week?
It's a war. It's a struggle. Fight the good fight of faith. Put up your spiritual dukes and fight. Don't let the enemy take you down and, and drag you off as a prisoner and be crushed under anxiety and fear and worry. Verse 19 is the third one. May God open our eyes to see what is the greatness of His power to us who believe. What is the greatness of His power to us who believe? You see, this is not something we get automatically. Because otherwise, Paul wouldn't be praying for this for the Christians in the church of Ephesus. This is something that God has to reveal to our hearts. We have to be cleansed from the worldly mindsets that we had and the, and the natural instincts and the survival instincts and everything else that we came into, the, you know, we grew up in this world in. And here it is. May God open our eyes to the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe. And yes, I have heard Christians say many times, more all the time it seems, where is this power of God? I believe, but I don't see anything happening. Yeah, that mindset is very prevalent. Unfortunately, even in Christendom today. And so you see why it's prevalent in Christendom. Because our eyes haven't been opened. May God open our eyes. May we seek God. That He may open our eyes to the power that He has towards us who believe. Toward us who believe. Jesus said, let it be done to you according to what you believe. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. May God open our eyes, the eyes of our understanding. Some versions say the eyes of our heart. Eyes, our, our spiritual eyes, so to speak. Be open. May we be, my eyes... May we be able to see spiritually through the eyes of the Spirit these truths that the Holy Spirit has declared. And like I said, words of Jesus in the book of Revelation, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You, you know, we're reading this in the Word of God. This is not man speaking, this is God's Word. God is speaking to us. May God open our understanding to these truths. What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? We must believe in, the, in this inheritance and the greatness of His power, whether we see it or not. Whether we see it or not. Hey, so and so has been praying for this for a long time. I haven't seen that happen to them yet. 
So it's, I've been praying for this a long time. I haven't seen any power there. God doesn't seem to be doing anything here, there, or anywhere. And with that kind of attitude, when God does so do something, you can't even see it. You can't even see what God's doing sometimes. And you say to them, well, look what God has done here and there. Yeah, yeah, but it's right ahead to the next thing, the next obstacle. Look at that giant. Yeah, God knocked down that giant. But look at this giant. Look at that one. Look at that one. We hear these words from the children of Israel when the spies come back. God had done all that stuff for them. Miracles in Egypt. Miracles in the wilderness. Feeding of bread from heaven. Quails being blown in from the sea. Wasn't enough. So you see that seeing is not faith. In the world they have the famous saying, seeing is believing. And a lot of people live by that. I'll believe it when I see it. How many times have we heard that said? And maybe we've said that sometimes. I'll believe it when I see it. But believing faith is not seeing on a natural level. Faith is seeing on a spiritual level the greatness of God's power to those who believe. Follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The promises of God are inherited through a faith that continues in patience. Patience toward God. I remember I could give you a list. I've been a Christian for 41 years. In a couple months. And I could actually name names and give you a list of people that I have known as Christians who gave up. They gave up. They went back to the world. They lost hope in God. They're blinded to the inheritance. They didn't believe in the greatness of His power. For those who believe, their faith suffered shipwreck. God has great power towards those who believe, who will dispense it in His time, in His way, and not in our time, in our way. We don't like that, maybe, in our natural self. We want things to happen just like everything else in our society. You know? You want to call somebody, you don't got to go to a payphone anymore, you don't got to go back to the house and go into the house phone, it's right in your pocket. Call them up, do 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 we are being trained by our society to get things when we snap our fingers. If we think that, th- that we should have that kind of approach toward God, we're missing everything. We're missing the whole thing. The whole ball of wax. Missing it. But at the same time, there is greatness. May God open us our mind up to the greatness of His power to those who believe. And Jesus went to His hometown. And after He had a short visit there, it says, He couldn't do many works there. Many mighty works there. Son of God? Couldn't do many mighty works there? The Son of God was weak? The Son of God... Wasn't all powerful. He couldn't do any. He couldn't do anything. 
It says they were offended with him. And he was astonished at their unbelief. And he could not do many mighty works there. And there's a connection between what we believe, as they say in the name and claim it churches, what you believe and what you receive. Now that's something from the Bible. Whatsoever things you ask for in prayer believing, you shall receive. And we know that there are certain qualifications to that. But it's not, let's not take those qualifications and X out and you know, cancel out the Word of God, what that promise is. That promise is real. According to what God has said in the Word. Whatsoever things you ask for in prayer believing, you shall receive. Oh, I know that there's things that we have, other scriptures we talk about in it. But let's not use other scriptures to cancel this out. The truth of what we're saying here. And what we're talking about here in prayer. Those are the words of Jesus teaching us, not me. Now some people, if they knew some of the things that we pray about, they'd think we're crazy. Well, you've been praying for that for so long and nothing's happened. Why don't you just give up? And what does that sound like to me? It sounds like Job's wife. When disaster came to Job and sorrow, and Job's wife came up and said, Give up! Curse God and die! Give up! The voice of the world, the voice of the flesh, the voice of the evil one, the devil. Don't give up. Don't give up. You just put your put your spade in that in that rock foundation and just stay there. There are many times in Christendom that we see, and we have himself done this, where we are like somebody in a foxhole, just being shot at, and we saved and we believe in God and Jesus died for our sins, and, and we're sitting there in that foxhole, and we're and we're just sitting in there, and you know, you know, in the army they have foxholes to prevent you from being shot at and everything, so you're safe in that foxhole, and you're just sitting there. And let the war happen, and you're just in there. And we try to be that way sometimes. We have to understand the hope of His calling. It's not just defensive. The sword of the Spirit is not just to defend us and the shield of the faith. It's to counterattack. It's to go on the attack. We are the children of God. We see that happen in, in 1 Samuel, Saul and his men, they're shaking like leaves. A lot of their, their army abandoned and were hiding in holes. Some of them went over and turned over to the enemy, the Philistines. And Saul's son, he says, I don't care what they're doing what my father's doing and the rest of the army. I don't care what the rest of Israel is doing. He says to his armor bearer, come on. Let's go. Let's go on the attack. And I'm sure his armor bearer and I look at him for a minute and say, really? <laughs> What's, what do you mean, you know? 
But but when he said, but, but that's not what came out of his mouth. He says, do all that's in your heart, you know. He was with Jonathan. There's something about Jonathan. He saw in Jonathan that was contagious. So let's go. I'll go with you. Come on. And they go up and take on a whole camp by themselves. They didn't need the rest of the army. They went and did it themselves. And God was with them. God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Brothers and sisters, do we believe it? Do we believe that God is with us? That He's not only here in this room, but in so, that living inside of us who are in Christ, through the Holy Spirit. He's with us. I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Those words spoken so long ago are just as true today as when they were a couple thousand years ago. The greatness, exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. Can we hear what it's saying? It's saying the same power, Paul puts it a different way in the book of Romans, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is living in us and is available to us. The power that He worked in raising Jesus from the dead. Read that carefully when you get a chance. Verse 22. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over the church, over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Now we got to see something than what we just read here. It says that He seated the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, seated at the right hand in heavenly places, and then it says, God put everything under His feet. To be under His feet. Well, look at a little positioning here. And it says that God gave Him to be head. And all things are under His feet. And there he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But it says, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Now where's Jesus' body sitting? With his head and his feet. In heavenly places, right? We're seated. And that's why it says, later on it says we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are with Him. We are His body. Positionally, spiritually speaking, we are seated with Him to the right hand of the Father. May God open up our eyes to how important that is and what that means. May God open our eyes. The eyes of our understanding. The eyes of our spirit. The eyes of our heart. May God help us to understand it and embrace it. May God reveal it to us and that we live it. And finally, in chapter 3, Paul again prays for this church at Ephesus as he's prayed for other churches. In verse 14, For this reason 
I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. What is he praying for the, again now? That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may live in our hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to understand with all the saints what is the width, depth, length, and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That the Holy Spirit would strengthen us that we might grow up in and be found, have a foundation of being rooted and grounded in Christ. That Christ may be living in our hearts through faith. That we might be able to understand the dimensions of God's love for us and His Son Jesus. We say God loves you. God so loved the world. God loves each one of us. Do we understand the dimensions of the love that God has for each one of us? Because if we do, we have great security. And we have great foundation. And that's something to build on. That foundation. The Apostle John said, We have come to know and believe the love that Christ has for us. The love that God has for us. We're experiencing it, he said. We're embracing it. We're convinced of it. That we might be filled with all the knowledge. With all the fullness of God. That everything that God has for us, that we might experience. And that was what Paul was praying again for the church at Ephesus. Christians who are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That we might be everything that we should be. May God open our hearts to pray for each other in this. That we may pray for each other as a local assembly. May we pray for each other. We pray for all our brothers and sisters in the church everywhere that God has brought into our life. May we see not only our own need, but the need of each other. We all need this. That we need to know God more. And all that He has for us, and all that He's done for us, and all that is available to us. That we might be filled with the fullness of God. That's what we want, isn't it? Is it okay just to be a Christian and come to church and hear a message and go home and just live, you know, the try to live do Christian works here and there and just live our lives and is that enough? Not enough for me. I want to be filled with all the fullness of God. May God put it in our hearts to be hunger and thirst for righteousness, to come to Him and drink. And be filled with the Spirit. And finally, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. Is it the power of God that's at work within us? Or is it mixed with flesh and the world and evil influence and everything else, all kinds of negativity, all kinds of things that drag us down. It says 
that God is able to do whatever we ask or think, but it's according to what's working in us. And that's what Jesus said. According to you believe, to what you believe, may it be done unto you. Saying the same thing here. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Why not? He's God. But what is God willing? Willing to? It's according to the power that's at work within us. The power that was at work within the people of Nazareth was unbelief. And it short-circuited the power of God. He was not able to do many wonderful works there because God doesn't work that way. God works according to His way and according to His rules. And if we are going to hold on to unbelief and harden our hearts, we're not going to receive much, if anything. And people get mad at God and they harden their hearts to God. But instead of pointing our fingers at God, we have to point our finger at that person in the mirror. That's where it's really at. There's something wrong there. Praise the Lord. I'll leave it to you, Dan and John. Any of other brothers that want to share anything or comment on this or anything else?